Thanks, Don. Thanks for the warm welcome. So let's, uh, let's invite the Holy Spirit into our message today, could we? Father, uh, we come before you today as um, people living in the Western world in America with busy lives, uh, soccer, kids things, retirement planning, jobs, cares and burdens and worries. Ask you, Lord, to help us to loosen our grip on those things today. Allow us to be fully present. Open our hearts and soften it to your word, what it is that you have to speak to us today. Give us the courage to step into what you might challenge us about. I just pray that your spirit would invade this place this morning. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. So as Don said, uh, uh, my name is Richard Barr. I um, uh, married blended family, uh, recovering addict, co-founder of a nonprofit, work in a ministry to feed the homeless every single day, author, chaplain. And so the question would be, um, other than being like one of the busiest guys you know, it sounds like, right? Um, I say all that because I was following Jesus in my daily life before these things really began to happen uh, in my life. But really, God, how it is uh, that he used serving as a way to open a new channel into my heart in terms of a way to connect with him and relate to other people. So we're going to use today, if you have a Bible with you, or a phone that has a Bible on it. We're going to use the parable of the Good Samaritan today as uh, a way to create our object lesson. If you don't have it, I'll read it to you. It's, I'm going to look at the Luke version, Luke 10, and I'm going to pick it up on verse 29. So we'll, I'll read through it, and then we're going to come back to it, and I've got uh, kind of five, five points that I've extracted, because your, your series here really is now, it's let's talk about it, Right? And my understanding is that you had the opportunity to provide some questions to the pastors and the staff uh, that are big questions, and so we're going to tackle one of those questions today. So here's the parable. So the setup is, is that Jesus was teaching, there was a lawyer, and he was kind of um, putting Jesus to the test, and he, he asked the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And I'm sure that this guy thought this was a trick question. Um, so... Here's the way the account goes. So he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with the parable. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So now by chance, a priest was going down that road when he saw him, but he passed along the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came, also passed along the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. So which of these three 
do you think proved to be the neighbor who fell among the robbers? And he said, the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So I like to say that, um, you know, as somebody who's been an entrepreneur, been in industry in the business community, uh, exits that, there's a lot of different common paths. Um, buy a house in Florida, play more golf, um, fish. I don't know. What are the other things that people do? I don't know. Play bingo? I, I don't know. And I guess the way I like to put it is that uh, God ruined my plans. Not the bingo part. I wasn't going to do that. But I like to say that God ruined my plans, but he improved my life. He ruined my plans, but he improved my life. And he really did it through sacrificial serving. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to work through and answer one of your specific questions that you have, which has to do with, uh, you know, how we, how we give without enabling people. But I actually came up with five things that I think potentially interfere. They have interfered with me. And so one of these might speak to you about something that gets in your way about sacrificially serving other people. So one of the ones, the first question is, I don't know how or where to serve. And the object lesson in this is from verse 33, where it says, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. So in our journeys, uh, and this is not news to you, that we frequently encounter where there are needs. We see them all around us. We see commercials on television, advertising for needs that go on in the world. We see things in our community. We see it on the news. You might drive by somebody that's panhandling. So there's an abundance of, community, of, of opportunities to serve in our own community. So why is it, if we have smartphones, I could hold mine up, if you have a smartphone or access to a computer, why is it that you can find a pop-up restaurant specializing in a locally grown, organic, meat-free burger but you can't find volunteer opportunities in the Twin Cities or North St. Paul, which there are 12, by the way. Don't pull your phones out, trust me. I looked it up. So when we have a heart to serve, there's abundance of opportunities for us to plug in and find this. And your team here at North Haven uh, this week actually hustled up and they put together kind of a fresh list. I mean, you, you have a habit of serving here. I know you've got month, a monthly rhythm that goes on, which I think is super awesome. I think what God calls us to do is to move. I think he calls us to move. So as we're doing that, we might ask, what's that next thing? What's that next thing that we ought to do? I ought to be involved in. And so your team here put together a list. It's on your info desk out there. You can feel free when you exit here to grab one of those. There's lots of new... Uh, I think probably might for some of you might be kind of fresh opportunities to be able to plug in and serve in the community. Uh, so the way that I began in this was that I was uh, running this business, uh, regular, uh, regular worship attender, going to a Bible study, doing all the right things, and then I met uh, Dave. And Dave was in his Bible study with me. And we were talking after the Bible study, he and, and a few of us, and it kind of came out in the conversation. He said, yeah, I'm going down 
to uh, this homeless shelter in the mornings, and I'm on the back of my van. I'm serving uh, oatmeal and some coffee and stuff. We're like, wow, good for you, man. That's awesome. Sweet. Boy, you got a great heart. How often are you doing that? He said, uh, every day. Every day? <laughs> like every and every day. Yeah. Yeah, I said, God places burden on my heart for the homeless. I want to do something to help. We said, man, do you need some help with that? Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) So in that conversation and out of that conversation began uh, some others of us that began stepping around him to help pick up days. Uh, This is, uh, I think we're in our 13th year. Now that we do this, this has blossomed into a ministry that serves out of a Salvation Army site. So they let us use their kitchen, let us use their cafeteria. We've got over 40 regular volunteers that staff different days of the week. We serve 365 and we serve over 40,000 meals a year. Praise God for that. Dave answered a call. He just answered a prompting. And he stepped into it. And I felt a call and a prompting, and I stepped into it. I didn't have an idea it was going to ruin my life. (laughs) I didn't have any idea. So I think the lesson in that is the place to start is... To start, (laughs) it's to do something. We can get analysis by paralysis. We can think about things. We can ignore. We're going to talk about some of those actually today. We can ignore. We can procrastinate. There's all sorts of things that can happen to interfere with us just simply beginning. Make a decision and begin. I like to call it the ready, fire, aim approach. Okay, do I need to explain that? Okay. (laughs) In other words, um, pick something that you believe is something that uh, is breaking your heart and you know that it's breaking God's heart and to honor him by just stepping into it. If it's not the right thing, if you need to pivot, move, change, whatever, you can do that at some other point. Just don't use it as a reason to begin. Just don't use it as a reason to begin, to not begin, excuse me. So the second point is, Um, How do I serve without enabling? And if I understand it correctly, I think that's one of the really like specific questions that uh, was teased out of the the comments that came here. Uh, I asked Pastor Adam if I could kind of blow the message up beyond even that, and he agreed to that. So the object lesson here is really, um, and when I saw, and, and when he saw him, he had compassion. That was in verse 33. When he saw him, he had compassion. So, there's two things that happen there. The first thing is, is that he noticed the injured man. The Samaritan noticed him. One of the most heartbreaking things that I hear from the folks that I serve in the homeless community, I've been told this, paraphrased, many, many times. Rich, do you know what it's like to go through your entire day and have people try not to look at you. 
So when you walked in here today, you were greeted with uh, maybe not a handshake, maybe an elbow bump or jazz hands or something, right? But people exchange glances, right? We look at each other. We exchange glances and make eye contact with people that are complete strangers, right? Your barista, the gas station, the checkout clerk. It's like the simplest, most basic form of humanity, eye contact. And yet we'll, we're, we avert our eyes when a situation is uncomfortable to us. And there's reasons for that. We don't know what to do. What if they ask something of me? What do you say to a homeless person? Can I say no? Are they going to attack me? Those are all a lot of questions. But it begins with a notice. It begins with noticing what's going on. The second thing is that in the heart of the Samaritan, God placed compassion. He said he had compassion over him. So the most recent book that I wrote um, entitled Those People, The True Character of the Homeless, one of the common questions that comes up is how, how do you deal with panhandlers? Would you like to know? You got to buy the book. <laughs> okay, I'll give you the cliff notes. There's an appendix in the back of the book that talks about how to deal with panhandlers. And that's actually not the right question. That's not actually the question. The question is, should I give cash to a panhandler? That's the question that people wrestle with. And the answer is, yes. I should give. Now, the issue with cash is that we feel somehow accountable that if I give cash, is that going to enable that person to make uh, unhealthy choice for himself or herself. That's the concern. And I'm accountable to that to a degree, right? And, and there's, I, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be causing harm. So if we change the conversation a little bit, and if I said, what if you gave that person a pair of socks? Or a non-perishable food item like a granola bar? Or a bottle of water? or a $5 gift card from a fast food restaurant? Does it begin to change your thinking a bit about, okay, I could give a dude a pair of socks and probably not cause him or her harm? Here's the problem in that. The problem in that is, is that um, how many people carry around spare pairs of fresh new socks, gift cards, and granola bars in their cars. Maybe a few of you do. And thank you. So I was going to be shocked if I saw nobody. Thank you, ma'am. But in reality, most of us don't do that. And the reason is, is that we, we either don't encounter panhandlers frequently uh, and or uh, we don't have a plan. We just don't have a plan. So the question to, to me gets to be, if God's burdened me with the recognition of a need. What duty, what responsibility do I have to enact a plan that I feel good about to step into? 
what's my responsibility in that? Um, and if you don't want to step into it, I would maybe challenge you to just ask you to think about what's my motive? Why am I examining that? Why am I not? There are, there are needs that I see. I see stuff on TV and whatever that I, I don't feel compelled to step into. Every, every need isn't right for, to match up with every person. But you just might examine your heart in that. Ask God to help you with that. So let's go to the third point. Uh, how do I deal with my fear or anxiety about serving? So the object lesson in the Good Samaritan parable is that he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So first of all, fear and anxiety is a very, very real thing. And we all experience it at different levels. We all process it differently. We all have our own triggers to those things. Um, not everybody is called to visit crack houses, campsites, homeless, uh, homeless shelters, and to go to places where known dealers and prostitutes are hanging out. Not everybody's called to do those things. And that's cool. But everybody's got a ministry. I'll tell you what I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to go play bingo at a retirement home. I just like, you know... I'm okay with bingo, I don't know. Old people I like, I'm becoming one. <laughs> it, it just doesn't tug at my heart. You know what I mean? It just doesn't tug at my heart. I had uh, a friend of mine, his name's Tom, who is like, he is like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over international missions. He is a nut job. Um, And, you know, those are special people, I mean, that are willing to do that. Sold his business. He's in the process of actually working on his way, exiting the Western world. And he and his wife, this is what they're going to go do. So back, I don't know, five or six years ago, something like that, when Tom's getting all fired up about this, he's like, Rich, he's like, man, you love the Lord and you're fired up about ministry. Like, like you should get into international missions. And I'm like, I don't think so. I, you know, he's like, well, maybe you need to read some books or something. I'm like, okay. So I had like five book titles over a summer. I read all the books. And we got together for a coffee. And he's like, you know, what'd you think of those? You know, and I'm like, um, no, nothing. I, it, nothing happened. I, I don't know. Maybe if I wasn't so deeply entrenched in the in the folks that we were serving currently. Maybe, I don't know, maybe God would open up a pathway to my heart for that. I love the idea that Tom's doing this. He's my hero, man. I, I, I love what he's doing. It, it just seem, it doesn't seem like God's calling me now, right? Now? Might not need be never, but he's not calling me into that now. So what are you being called into? I wouldn't ask anybody to go into something that would be uh, cause you a great deal of fear or anxiety. I will, however, also tell you that God does love to stretch us. <laughs> so somewhere between those spaces, I think is probably that place where you might find, if you seek God, that he'll speak to you about your fear, anxiety of serving, what populations to serve, 
and how to courageously step into that moment. So the fourth point is, um, I feel like I don't have time. And this is a, is a big challenge for most of us. So the object lesson that the Good Samaritan taught us is, um, he said to the innkeeper, remember what he said when he dropped him off? He said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Now, most of the time when I've heard teachings on the Good Samaritan parable, they talk about the money, a denarii, you know, a significant amount of money in that day. What I picked up on was the time element of it. I mean, did you catch that? There was actually, it, there was kind of two moments. One, one is that, so the Samaritan, he's, right, on the road to Jericho, right? And he's first inconvenienced by this dude that's injured by the side of the road. We've all seen that, you know, car sitting by the side of the road and something's going on and do I, what do I, do I, what do I, what do I? <laughs> it's hard to make a decision sometimes in the moment. It's harder going 60 miles an hour or whatever, right? But he stopped. He recognized and he stopped. It wasn't on the agenda, wasn't on the plan, wasn't gonna take time to do it. He's got a mission, he's on his way, and he stopped. The second time was when he, after he delivered me, he said, I'm going to go about my business, but then when I come back, when I come back. So I actually made a plan to be even further inconvenienced and to come back and return. So in 2016, I uh, prayed a prayer that I would urge you to not pray. So God had been working on my heart and Carla's heart in terms of how we dealt with our finances and learning how to um, be healthy with money, to be less materialistic, to loosen our grip on our wallet. So now I needed to be dealt with, with time, with my schedule, with my calendar. And I'm a busy guy and I have a lot of things plugged in and it doesn't always leave margin for things God might have me step into, and frankly, doesn't leave margin for other important relationships sometimes for me. So I prayed for God to inconvenience me. I thought that would be the answer. <laughs> Three weeks after I prayed that prayer, I prayed it every day. Third week of January, I'm driving out of downtown, finished a shift at the shelter in the morning, and it was on, there's a common corner where there's people that will panhandle on, over on what would be my left side. Uh, but it was January, so it's uncommon that somebody would be panhandling. And there was a dude there flying a sign. And I'm boogieing. I got places to go. I'm coming I'm on the far right side. There's four lanes of traffic. So there's three lanes between me and the guy. And as I'm driving up, I notice this guy and the self-talk that's going on in my head is like, whoa, that's weird. Panhandler, January, that's strange. Boy, you know what? I've got all this stuff to give panhandlers. It's too bad that I wasn't three lanes over. I could... You gotta be kidding me. You want me to do what? <sighs> all right, fine. That was my, that was my answer, fine. <laughs> Right hand turn at the light. Another right hand turn, drive block and a half up a wrong way. 
one-way street the wrong way. I didn't want to be that inconvenienced, you know, go all the way. I parked, boogie through the snow. I had a hat and gloves and some stuff for the guy and cut across the street. And then on my way home, I was kind of playing the tape back about that whole encounter and thinking, you know, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like to always stop for every panhandler this year. I wonder what that would be like. What would that do for me? How would that change the way I view time? Uh, and in my business, I traveled a lot uh, all over the country, all over the world, actually. And um, the honest truth is that I wasn't 100% that year. I did, I did walk away from some opportunities, but I'll tell you what, I was like way into the 90s. <laughs> I didn't miss many. I have no idea how many panhandlers I encountered and served that year all over the globe. It was a way that God worked on me. You know, it's like I needed that to be torn away from me. Jesus talked about we carry our cross, right? And I always have thought that that's a strange thing that he said. He said this to, we know the context of it, but think about his apostles. The only context that they had for a cross was that they were living in first century Roman-occupied territory, and the cross meant one thing. Death. That's the only thing it meant. It didn't mean freedom and grace and salvation. It meant death. How confusing would that be? And Jesus was speaking of two things. I mean, he was foreshadowing, he was speaking about the sacrifice that he was about to be making. But it's also for us, it's about dying to ourselves. It's about dying to my schedule. It's about dying to my grip on my money. It's about dying to my own agenda. I don't know if anybody can relate to that or not, but uh, if that's a challenge for you, I would, I would humbly seek God. I would ask him to help you loosen your grip on time or whatever any of those other things are that are in your way. So the fifth point, this is the last one. Oh, usually when a Baptist preacher preaches and they say that's the last point, do you know what that means? 45 more minutes. <laughs> it's not. So the last point is, is that I already give money. Do I really need to serve? And so the object lesson there is uh, from verses 36 and 37. Where um, Jesus says, so which of the three of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he, the lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So who proved to be the neighbor? The one who showed the mercy. So mercy, definition of mercy, compassion, forgiveness, shown to someone who it's within their power to harm or to punish. So who is it that needs mercy? 
I did. I do. You do. So, can we and do we receive mercy without serving? Is serving the pathway to mercy? No. Thank goodness for all of us. It's our free gift, right? But, if you're somebody that has struggled with damaged relationships, anger, patience, self-centeredness on rampant display, if you're somebody that struggles with those things, serving can be that a fresh and a new pathway that God will open up in your heart to pour out mercy in your life. Jesus talked about this, actually, in the Beatitudes. You've heard this. In, uh, in Matthew 5, 7, he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So we don't need to serve. We don't need to serve to receive God's mercy. But why, why would we not allow a generous and a kind and a loving and a giving God to access our heart through that channel? So just listen to what he says about this. So again in Luke, in Luke 6, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God wants to multiply. He wants to give you an abundant mercy. He wants it to overflow. It's free. And he's shown us the pathway of how to tap into that. Should we give financially? Yeah, I mean, you, you know the answer to that. Of course we should. Should we get into the trenches and demonstrate a measure, a measure of the mercy that God has shown to us? I think so. So there is a reality here when it comes to serving is that uh, God doesn't need you to serve. God's going to get done whatever God wants to get done with or without you. But he knows we need to serve. It's the pathway to tenderize our hearts. Self-centeredness, patience, judgmental, you name it. Serving is the salve for your wounded self. 
Did you hear me? Serving is this salve for your wounded self. For me, I I had been a mess a lot of my life. I needed to get out of that. I needed to get out of myself and stop. You know, there's a reason there's a tiny rearview mirror in a car and a big windshield. I was spending too much time looking behind me, not ahead of me, what God had in store for me. You know, if you're willing and you step into it, he will use you to serve. He will use you to be part of the mission that he already has laid out for you. There's only one thing that you have to give. Everything. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for your word, for giving it and preserving it for us. I thank you for sending your one and only son to provide this object lesson for us today, for the sacrifice he made on the cross for all of us to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our self-centeredness, our busyness, our excuses, for our misaligned priorities. We ask that you strengthen and encourage us to provide the willingness to die to ourselves and to take on the nature of Jesus as he taught us. I want to pray for each person here today. You've maybe probably been to church before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You're probably a pretty good person. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But wherever you're at, you heard my testimony today. And it's my testimony about the powerful and the wonderful changes that God has made in my life. I pray that for the willingness and the courage to step into what God has already prepared for you in advance to let go and to be ready to move forward today. But for all of us, I pray that we continue to listen to God's voice, that we continue to seek him in all things, that he mobilizes us to action, to change the world, maybe to change it just for one other bleeding, injured person along a roadside. And maybe it doesn't feel like it changes the world, but it changes the world for that one. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.